You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Yeah! Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. UFC 270 preview show starts now! (laughs) It does indeed. The UFC returns to pay-per-view tomorrow night, and... Although the card has, as a whole, has been ravaged quite a bit, you cannot deny that the two title fights are pretty damn interesting. As we welcome you to the live UFC 270 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Hack. We got the whole crew here. We got Jose Youngs joining us live from Anaheim, California. We got my bald brother in arms as well, Mr. Sean Alshadi. He is here from Arizona. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful, Mike. And E. Casey Lydon on the ones and twos with that fantastic introduction. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. All right. It's martial arts, baby. You should be. Gentlemen, no time to waste. Let us get into this thing. And Jose, I am so glad that you are here in particular. Not that, it, not that I'm not happy that everybody else is here, but I'm very glad that you're here because I feel like we need you right now. I feel like mm. we need your poetic waxing because this main event for the UFC heavyweight title, for the baddest man on the planet title between Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan, The storylines and the drama have outweighed the actual fight, Jose. The teammate stuff, the former coach and the former fighter stuff, the leaked sparring footage and the sparring chatter, Francis's contract, all that has become more than the fight itself. And while I love a good storyline, Jose, you know this, I love it more and we need to seek it out and kind of add sizzle to the steak. This fight has it, but doesn't need it. The fight between Ngannou and Gan on an island, Jose. No outside factors. Just two guys getting in there and battling out for the heavyweight championship of the world. This is what it should be all about as a fight enthusiast, is it not? This fight by yeah. itself. Can we talk about just the fight by itself? 100%. I mean, I, I feel like this is what's been missing for the heavyweight division for a long time, especially considering, like, if you look at the last few uh, heavyweight title fights, it's been rematches or... Like we had that, obviously, Derek Lewis, Daniel Cormier headlines, Madison Square Garden, but that was kind of thrown together last minute just because they needed a main event. And I know when Stipe and Francis fought last March, that was everyone just – everyone knew. You didn't have to come – there was no argument against that those were the two best heavyweights in the world. And Cyril Gan hadn't arrived on the scene yet uh, in like into like the, the top five even or title contention at the moment. But to me, this just, just feels different because, A, it's a fresh matchup between uh, Cyril Gan and Francis Ngannou because let's not forget Stipe Miocic beat – Francis gone on the first time. Uh, so he's out of the equation right now. Cyril gone might just be the best heavyweight ever. And I, that's weird to say, just considering he's what, what, two years ago, he was three and oh, three or three years ago, he was three and oh. And the only other fighter I can think of that has had such a rapid rise to the top in the heavyweight division is Francis Ngannou. They're uh, two very different in terms of stylistic matchups, and I think styles make fights, so either someone's going to go to sleep or someone's just going to get pieced up for 25 minutes, and I don't care if this was a flyweight to a heavyweight. I don't care. These two stylistic styles right now make for an awesome fight, and I personally don't care about any of the drama. I would watch these two fight in an empty arena, and I would be happy. So just adding like 20,000 people in Anaheim just makes it that much more special. This is why this is why we started with you, Jose. You, you set the scene here, and we, we turn it on over to, to Sean. Sean, what's what's your storyline to watch for this one? Doesn't have to be the any of the dramatic stuff, but even just from a fight perspective, what what stands out to you with this heavyweight title fight? I mean, what stands out? There's a lot that stands out, right? But two for me, it's two big things. One is what Jose just mentioned, and I want to start there because I do feel like it's getting lost in this week where we're talking about sparring footage and all the and the contract status and all of this. The fight is being lost, and the fight is just an utterly sensational fight. Jose is absolutely right. We went through such a malaise with this heavyweight division for such a long time. I love Stipe Miocic as much as the next guy. I love Daniel Cormier as much as the next guy. But for three years, we basically didn't have a heavyweight division because we were doing this once a year title fight situation with just these two guys. Everybody else was just sort of wasting time and just sort of, you know, twiddling their fingers, waiting for this whole situation to be resolved. And now we're finally here. We have these two gentlemen who... I think you throw them at any era of the heavyweight division and they would be the champion in that era of this heavyweight division. These, this might be Jose said, it. you know, it's 
ridiculous to say that Cyril Gaon might be the best heavyweight ever, especially this early. But he certainly looks like a guy who could be the best heavyweight ever. He has all of those measurables. And Francis Ngannou is the most dangerous human being we've ever seen inside the octagon. And just the, the punching power, the death touch. I have rewatched uh, somewhere on YouTube. There, there's the someone put an ultra, ultra slow motion version of his fight against Yarzino Rosenstrup. And it's just – it's like 20 – it's like a minute long and it's just – the slow, the slow, slow version of it. You can see how utterly ridiculous it is, how he just basically dinks him. He bonks him on the head and Yarzina Rosenstruck's lights just turn out. Like we, someone at, with this level of punching power is just, it, it's a, it's utterly ridiculous, right? It's a phenom. We've never really seen something like that before. The fight itself is absolutely wonderful. And you think back to where we were last March when Francis did what he did against Stipe Miocic. It felt like we would never see him be the the underdog again he he felt like he was a guaranteed lock to be a favorite in every fight he competed in until whenever he lost again and the fact that he's it's his next fight we, we're already one deep in and he is the underdog going into this fight against Cyril Gaon it, it's it's a crazy matchup and I love that fact about it but for me too the other storyline that obviously you, you can't not mention because it is just swirling around this and it is something where how many times have we seen it before where a fighter sort of takes on the UFC and ultimately the UFC wins? There's not a lot of point situations you can point to where this has worked out well for someone to busy themselves with so much distractions around a big fight and they end up coming out ahead. Is th- I mean, It's very real question. Is this the last time we ever see Francis Ngannou in the UFC again? I mean, he, we, we know the story, right? He's coming into this. This is one fight left on his contract. Everything that we're hearing from Francis's side is that they're confident that come the end of 2022, that contract is over one way or another. That they, they believe they have a five-year deal and that deal is done regardless of whether this man is holding the belt or not. But if he loses and loses in any possible way, whether it's a DQ or just he actually loses a controversial decision or he just actually loses the fight, Francis Ngannou could be a free agent by, by you know next month. Like this could be Francis's last fight in the UFC, and if he wins, there's a chance. Who knows that maybe he just sits out the rest of the year, waiting for this contract to at least in his team's eyes expire. And can you just imagine that uh, a champion trying to leave with the belt? Uh, all of the, again, the UFC pressure, the fact that it's his former coach, it's the guy who built this guy from the ground up, who told him, who found him on the streets of Paris, and told him, "Hey, man, you should come into this gym. I think you'd do well here." Uh, it's just utterly fascinating all aspects of this fight are sensational and i know we we have gotten lost a little bit in that with some of these minor storylines that have popped up in the lead up to it but this is really just a marquee matchup in every possible way you could phrase it agreed be like overall from a promotional perspective the promotion of this fight has not been tremendous if we're being honest i feel like and i agree with with ariel because i know he talked about this on wednesday that the media we have probably done the lion's share of the promotion for this fight mostly because of the contract stuff that you just talked about sean because it's a much more interesting story than the leak sparring footage or any of that other stuff but casey sean mentioned that we didn't think we'd see a world where france and ghana would be an underdog now, he opened as the favorite here, but the line has flipped in Cyril Gunn's favor, and maybe it's just people thinking that all of this drama, all of the storylines, maybe France is a little bit distracted. But right now, Cyril Gunn's around, depending where you look, minus 145 to 155 favorite. Does this surprise you? Like, are you surprised that we are looking at a heavyweight title fight involving Francis Ngannou, and he is the underdog here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very surprising. Um I get it, um, and I think this goes back to a little bit about um, what uh, Shaheen said about the, um, or Ariel said about, I feel like the media has been kind of, I don't want to say pushing the narrative of, you know, the sparring footage and it's just the the contract situation, but that's this, that's the main talk. Like, there's, when we talk about this fight, I feel like 10% of the conversation is actually going, is actually about Holy crap, these are the two best heavyweights in the world potentially fighting at their prime. Like, each of these guys could possibly be, like, the greatest heavyweights of all time, and they're facing each other in Anaheim tomorrow night. And that's, like, so little – that's such a little part of the conversation. It's all about, you know, is he – you know, what's in his head right now? Is he he mad about the sparring footage? Is like, does he want to do this because he's mad at Fernando Lopez, you know? It's like – it's just – drama right we're not even talking about the actual fist fight why we're actually here why we're paying 75 bucks we're not even that's such so little part of the conversation but it's just a it's just 
prize fighting. It's just a weird world we live in now. And um, yeah, I just I'm I'm shocked, but uh, I get it too. That's just um, how it is. Jose, the fighters, it's just a tremendous fight. I love how the Such coaches are involved here. Not all of it, not all of it, but I have so much respect for not just the fighters, but for but both coaches individually. I'm really intrigued about the actual coaching matchup between Eric Nixick and Fernand Lopez. I don't care about any of the drama and the leaked sparring footage and how one felt about it and how the other felt about it. I don't care. The strategies that these guys are going to bring to the table what they are seeing in putting these game plans together. And I really enjoyed how both coaches were at the media day answering questions about the fight and about what makes the opponent stick out. I don't need this every single time, but in this case, I'm totally okay with, with hearing from Eric Nixick, hearing from Fernand Lopez. Your thoughts on the intrigue of the coaching aspect of, these fight, of this fight and what the game plans could possibly be and, and how they're being constructed. Yeah, I mean... Regardless of the coaches or not, like these guys have sparred with each other, France and Cyril. So, uh, drama aside, I am curious to see how a fight like this plays out because you always hear like, "Oh, you've heard the stories of fighters being just monsters in the gym," and then like, like who is it? Like Mike Pyle was the big one, monster in the gym. But as soon as he made the walk to the octagon, couldn't always get it, couldn't always get it done. So I'm curious how their sparring does translate to the fight. But Eric Nixick is way too level-headed of a human being to be involved <laughs> in the sport yeah. of mixed martial arts like everyone's trying to stir the pot of like talking about the leaked footage and stuff and he's like hey that's not my problem like maybe that's just their gym i'm worried about my gym I'm like yeah you're right why is that your problem it shouldn't be our problem and we're the ones worried about it. and then fernand lopez at media day seems a little remorseful at the falling out with francis and these are two masters of their craft, but it's also like you you hear like the the Jacksons of the world and the ATTs and the AKAs and uh, Jim Couture kind of disappeared for a bit in like the scene. And then Fernand Lopez was obviously doing great things in France, but it was kind of out of sight, out of mind for American fans. So I'm excited that these two coaches, these masterful coaches are are getting the platform that they deserve. Like they clearly have created two of like in Fernand's case he created two of the best heavyweights ever and uh, Eric Nixick made it known at media day like all credits at uh, MMA factory or Fa MMA factory in Paris for giving Francis the building blocks that he just kind of polished so both I saw both coaches shake hands in the lobby t like the other day like they bumped into each other and I I remember pointing to someone and I was like oh this could be some drama right here and they were just like oh good luck on Saturday and he was like good luck to you too and like that was it two nice guys two masters of their craft and uh I'm I wish there wasn't the drama because they don't need it. Like neither of them seem like obviously Fran is doing all the interviews and stuff, but this doesn't need it. I'm very excited to see how uh, both both corners. I wish because back Casey and Sean, you know, and Mike, you know, when you're backstage, you don't get really get to hear the corner cam because it's always muted. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually disappointed I won't get won't get to hear both coaches uh, in the corners between rounds for the main event. Well said, Sean. I, I know we have to wait and see how this all plays out. It's sort of the rule of thumb. We don't like to jump too far ahead, but. John Jones has been a big talking point in the build to this fight. Zero Gone was asked about it. He said, I got to get through Francis, but I would love to fight John Jones next. Francis got at the press conference is like, nah, I'm over it. I ain't fighting him. I don't believe him for a second, but that's where this is at right now. How, how much of a factor is John Jones in this fight and him getting the winner? Like, are you confident that we are going to see the winner of this fight fight John Jones next? Am I confident? No, absolutely not. Because we just went through this. Mike, heck, we just went through this last year, right? What was the the, the conversation around Nganu versus Stipe 2? It was, hey, the winner of this fight is going to fight John Jones. He's been waiting all this time. He's been building up to this heavyweight, to, to the spot to be this heavyweight. And then it never happened. So I can absolutely understand where Francis is coming from where he, when he said at that press conference yesterday, man, I'm over that fight. I'm beyond this. And I can also understand Cyril Ghosn just saying, hey, man, this is this is exciting for me, the idea of fighting John Jones, because he is going through it for the first time, just like Francis did last year. So, I mean, John Jones is sort of the big question mark hanging out just in, in the scope of this division in, in the distance for really like two years at this point. It's, it's so hard to say with any level of certainty that he's going to come to terms with the UFC, that they're going to be able to make this work, and that the UFC isn't just going to do the same thing that they tend to do these days, which is, hey, you know, 
we are going to just move it on without you. We're going to get the same money regardless uh, from this pay-per-view, whether you're involved on it or not. Uh, so it, I, I'm not at all confident that John Jones is going to play a part in any of this. And also you have a man sitting out here, and I've seen one person mention his name this entire week. Steven Miocic is still <laughs> yeah. sitting out there. He still exists as a human being in this division. He was not long ago <laughs> being called the greatest heavyweight who ever fought in the UFC. He hasn't fought since this whole situation. Who knows how, how Stipe plays into this as well. Heavyweight's a big, giant mess right now, but the fact that we could at least get this kind of fight out of that mess, uh, I consider that a win still. All right. There's the, what, just, go ahead, what, Katie. What does, it, what does it say about how incredibly powerful the brand the three letters ufc are the fact that we pretty much none of us think that the john jones fight's gonna happen and a lot of us consider john jones the greatest fighter of all time we're not even talking about stipe who last year we considered the greatest heavyweight of all time and we consider it's a very serious possibility that francis even as heavyweight champ might leave the ufc and like that's not even a concern of the ufc they're Dude. like whatever they're like, we make so much money. We can throw <laughs> anyone out there and you will pay 75 bucks. And they will. I, I just, I'm just kind of most I'm, successful I'm scared and amazed. Ever. Yeah. Without John Jones, without Stipe, with only like one, with only one Francis fight, you know, they're still just making dollar over dollar. It's, in, it's incredible. And they may lose all these giant stars, but they're like, whatever, UFC sells. I just think that's. I mean, no matter who wins tomorrow night, UFC wins. The fact, the fact that we're even having this conversation, right? Like the, it is an all-time botch job how the UFC has handled Francis Ngannou because you have here a guy served to you on a silver platter who, if you designed in a lab, a heavyweight champion who could become a superstar, like a superstar on a level that we really haven't seen in MMA outside of like a Brock Lesnar who was already kind of that guy before he got here. It's Francis Ngannou. Like he has every recipe, every you know ingredient in that recipe that you could possibly dream of. And we're talking about contracts. We're talking about sparring footage. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of hype for this. Like there is no promotion that has been gone that has come into this fight. Really, it feels like they, they, they don't really seem to care to promote this fight. We haven't even seen Francis fight since March. And, and that's not on him. He's been ready to yeah. fight. The whole thing is just a giant boss job. But the thing is, they don't care, right? Because they they're, they're still making their money. money. They're still making most money. successful year ever. We've heard it a thousand times at this point. So it's it's utterly bizarre. But again, that's just where we are in MMA. And and let's just enjoy this one for what it is. <laughs> Francis is the most is the easiest fighter to promote probably in UFC history. He doesn't even have to say a word. You just show yeah. clips of the knockouts over and over again. That's it. That's all you have to do to, to get this guy over. Yeah, so it's pretty wild. Also, yeah, the also violence, show clips. Yeah. Show clips. He has the story. He has an incredible story of overcoming all these unbelievable odds uh, and the highlights and everything. Looks the part, he's a marketer's you know? dream. He's a Marvel superhero the way he looks out here. And it's just, what can you do? It's wild. There's so many intangibles here, Casey, but let's just, let's go to picks. There's so much to talk about. I do want to get to the people for at least a little bit at the end of this. Who you got, man? Francis Gano, the champion, the underdog, which is still shocking to even say. Or Cyril Gan, who is just what a story this would be coming into the UFC at three and zero, and eight fights later, he's a he's a world undisputed champion. I'm going the champ, Francis Ngannou. Oh, but the the whatever, they're both champs. Sorry, <laughs> stupid interim belt. <laughs> but I'm going Francis Ngannou. Um, I think he can still do it. Um, I I think people are overvaluing um, the Cyril Gan victory over Derek Lewis. I think Derek Lewis pretty much had one of his worst fights of his career and Zirogon showed up and just did his thing. But I think this Francis Ngannou in this new extreme couture version of him is just simply very, very, very good. And I think he's going to be ready. I don't, I think these outside distractions are going to make actually Francis a, a, even a more vicious, scary person in there. But um, I do expect kind of a boring first round, but Third round, knockout, Francis Ngannou. Jose, who you got? Uh, I picked Cyril Gaon. The second Cyril Gaon beat Derek Lewis to beat Francis Ngannou, and I think John Jones is eventually going to fight Cyril Gaon. So I'm going to stick with that because I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. But this is a 50-50 fight to me solely <laughs> because uh, Francis Ngannou can, can uh, kill you uh, by touching you in the head. And Cyril Gaon could just pick you apart for 25 minutes until you just fall apart. So... 
50-50 fight to me, but I'm not trying to be wishy-washy flip-flop, so I'm just going to stick stick with Cyril Gunn. I've said it enough times, but I said the, the way I think this fight goes is the way I thought the Dawkins-Derek Lewis fight was going to play out, because if you remember, I picked mm-hmm. Dawkins to kind of just be faster, be a better athlete, and just be a better mixed martial artist. And then Derek Lewis touched him, and he just died. So that could happen again Saturday night with Cyril Gunn and Francis Ngannou, but I'm sticking with my original choice back in August, Cyril Gunn. Oh, real quick on what Jose said, I think a factor what I do think Surogan has an advantage is the big cage. If this is a small apex mm-hmm. cage, I do think Francis has a much easier path to victory. But with the big cage and Surogan being so good with just moving around his footwork, I think this will be a, an advantage for him. Not enough an advantage, but I do. I, I, I mean, I, everything that Jose said, I think is true, too. <laughs> John, what you think? It's just so hard for me at this point with what we've seen from him to believe that you can spend 25 minutes in a ring with Francis Ngannou and not just get touched once. And it, and it, that's all it takes at this point. We've seen it over and over time and time again. But also th- I know people will point to the, you know, the, the back-to-back losses a few years ago. This is just not the same guy that we saw against Stipe Miocic this first time. It's definitely not the same guy we saw against Derek Lewis. The, the, the way that Ngannou has transformed his game, or at least – Feels as if he's transformed his game because we haven't seen it a lot. We saw some of the takedown defense in that Miocic rematch. We saw some of the, the, you know, the improved pacing and just sort of the patience that he's approaching these fights with now. It just feels like this is Francis Ngannou 2.0. And I still believe that this man, by the time he retires, will be the greatest heavyweight that we have ever seen in this sport. Just his combination of gifts and work ethic and just all of it. Uh, I, I think that's so hard to overcome when you put yourself in a cage for 25 minutes with this guy. And all it takes is one single mistake. Cyril Gaon has to be perfect on Saturday. He has to be perfect from pillar, from pillar to post the entire way through. Uh, and that's just a really really hard ask and also too i know that the, again people talk about the distractions people talk about how there's just so much around francis and right now and how much he is he's basically right putting it all on himself right i think eric nixick called it his rod tillwell moment uh, on the mma hour this week he, his is uh uh what, what's that movie uh jerry Maguire. jerry, jerry Maguire moment where he's betting on himself <laughs> To me, it feels like Francis is the kind of guy that thrives in that environment, that he wants to prove so hard right now to to the UFC, mm-hmm. to the world, to Dana White, to everybody, that there is a reason I am asking for what I'm asking for. I and, and he is so he feels so disrespected by all of this. Uh, and that he, you know, he, that he deserves what he's asking for. And I just feel like this is gonna come out and he, it's gonna be a career night for Francis Agano. It's gonna be one of those statement nights where he just shuts everybody up, and then we really are left wondering what's gonna happen with this man who might be a superstar by the end of Saturday night. I'm with pretty much all of you that it's a 50-50 fight. This could could go either way on the surface, right? And very little would shock me here. But in the end, like I'm picking Francis, and, and I'll explain a little more in depth in a moment. But you're giving I'm looking at a 50-50 fight, like I have to spend money on it. Like I have to bet on somebody, or I just the money disintegrates from my life forever. And if you're giving me Francis a dog money, I'm not ignoring that. I, it's so enticing. So absolutely I, I'm doing that. But I went back like over the last couple hours and I watched a couple of Cyril Gon's last fights. I watched the last three France Ganu fights because they weren't very long. It only took me like 12 <laughs> minutes to watch all of them, including the walkouts, because it's so ridiculous. People look at Francis Ngannou, and I've seen it all over social media. Like he's just this guy that's going to walk towards you and just just move his hands and hope he connects with something. And then he puts you to sleep. Not true at all. This guy is a very technical striker. He faints a lot. His faints are nasty. And by the way, he is throwing high kicks. He's getting all sorts of tricky out there. His footwork is really good and very underrated. On the same token, Cyril Gunn, very good footwork himself. He moves around like a middleweight. The Derek Lewis fight, Derek Lewis is obviously a dangerous guy and maybe if that fight didn't happen in houston things would have gone differently i don't know that's just Derek had a lot of pressure you could see it the entire week cyril has not seen the danger factor yet he has not been touched once whether in you're in the small cage the big cage whatever when francis touches you i am very very i'm very very interested to see how he responds to it because cyril fights with his hands down an awful lot that chin's going to be right there to get touched if he can if he could show the Calvin Cater kind of durability and somehow eat it and move forward and have Francis thinking like, Oh my God, like I can't stop this guy. It's going to be a really interesting fight, but Francis just has that power. 
and he's so good at setting things up way better than people are giving him credit for people think that Cyril Ghosn is the more te- is clearly the more technical striker yeah he might move around and, and a little more lighter on his feet but go back and watch Francis Ngannou fight Stipe Miocic go watch the feints the footwork some of the things he was doing him being able to mix in the high kicks the wrestling game's getting a little bit better I think Francis is getting slept on in a big way here by a lot of people. I think he puts him to sleep in the first two rounds. I think Francis touches him. I think he gets him and he puts him away. I'm not fully confident, but after just going back and watching these last couple of fights, I have some serious questions about Ciro Gan and his ability to to take a shot, especially a shot with Francis Ngannou. If he gets hit and doesn't get dropped, he's going to be on his back foot. I'm very, very intrigued to see how his style changes after he gets punched one time real hard by Francis, even if he doesn't go to sleep. So give me Francis, a dog money, and, and a much more technical fight than people might be giving it credit for. I think Francis deserves a little more respect from a footwork th- and a I mean, technique perspective. I think part of that, too, is out of sight out of mind right especially in mma we've seen this so often cyril's the guy who fought last if francis and had defended his title in september and just knocked out somebody and you know a round two performance where he defends a couple takedowns like he did against stipe is that line any different do you feel like that line he's the underdog coming into this it's just we haven't seen him for so long and cyril's the hot new thing people saw him last i feel like that's playing a part here yeah recency bias is, is very real in the sport so speaking of recency bias oh, go ahead casey after the conclusion of the fight, do you think the conversation, whoever wins, do you think the conversation will be that guy is the greatest heavyweight we've ever seen? No. Or is it, you don't think so? You, you, I mean, well, that's the conversation after every UFC pay-per-view. Seemingly. But like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, exactly. I mean, I think are, are we kind of past Stipe already? Is it? I know Stipe had a good run, but. Or, I think, it, I, I think yeah. it's just how you judge greatness. Like, talent and yeah. greatness are two different Potential. things. Potential. Like, but yeah like Cyril and France like Cyril might be the most talented heavyweight ever since like Cain Velasquez but I still think accolades matter so Stipe is still the greatest at the moment I do think yeah, it will a, be fair on the, if reach. The, conver- the conversation is can this person be yeah. the greatest ever that yeah. is a very fair conversation especially yeah. between these two but is them declaring them as the greatest well, that's just well, uh, roganism know, that's just ridiculous <laughs> obviously surreal when he a couple more wins but like imagine surreal just rolls through does the same thing he did to lewis to Nagano. that means he what undefeated wins the belt and as far as i remember hasn't got touched i'm assuming he i'm assuming he rolls through francis like hasn't got touched once it's just a lot of what ifs i just i love this fight i just wish we didn't have the stupid drama <laughs> it's just like this well, fight's so much fun to talk about you know but we just we, we we've talked very little about the actual fight you know in the end you know it's just it's about the drama and it's kind of a it's not i mean just kind of annoying <laughs> you know i mean let me throw one more what yeah. if at you then let me be a little I more know. annoying can you can you imagine if there let me paint this scenario for you can you imagine if francis and gone comes out there on saturday night and a peter yawn aljamain sterling situation plays out where he throws an illegal <laughs> shot and he loses the belt by disqualification cuts some sort of heel promo, just some wild thing like that, and then leaves the UFC on that note, having, you know, maybe let's say he was winning that fight up to that point and he was about to, to knock Cyril Gaon out. And he throws that illegal shot, loses the belt. Free agent, Francis Ngannou, free agent. He can do whatever he wants. He's top of the world still. People still consider him the best in the world. And he's all of a sudden up for grabs for anybody who wants him. If he wants to go box, if he wants to go to Bellator, PFL, wherever. Can you just imagine the chaos? I'm here for chaos. That's all I'm saying. That's a possibility that could happen. It's not like going to happen. I like this but crazy man. I like this crazy man above me. <laughs> I have I have to say, I have to be honest, the first 45 seconds of that, Sean, I was ready to just get really upset with you for the negative juju. But the more that story was told, the more I think you are just an evil genius. And that would be an amazing thing that happened. I mean, what a, what a moment. He just goes out and be or, – and I've seen conspiracy theorists out there saying like Francis should just like – knock down Fran- Cyril Gaon, like have him on the ropes and then just like tap the mat and be like, I'm out of here. See you later. I could have beat this dude and I'm leaving. I'm si- peace out. What a, what a gangster move that would be. So a lot, again, a lot of intriguing storylines. We'll see what happens. Speaking of recency bias, co-main event, Brandon Moreno gets another sort of hometown feel of a fight, defends his flyweight title for the first time against his old buddy, Davison Figueredo, this will be the third consecutive time these guys have fought. Figgy Smalls looked Figgy Small, shredded on the scale, looked healthy, 
but will that be enough to get a lopsided finish loss back? Jose, like I said, three times over, these guys are getting after it, getting into the octagon. They've taken each other's best shots. They're very familiar with each other. Figgy's made some camp changes, staying stateside. Stateside seems like it's been a pretty damn good call, at least physically in the eye test. What stands out to you about this third fight? Well, remember a couple of years ago, everyone thought the flyweight division was dead, and now they're the first like weight class to have like a trilogy like this in rapid succession. Uh, and it was it's a tale of two fights. Obviously, the first fight was absolutely bananas. I picked that event as my 2020 event of the year, and that fight played a big factor in it. Where David Figueroa made history as like the first, like the shortest. Uh, time between title defenses because he defended at like what I can't remember the exact dates but it was like November and then it was like December December or something crazy like that uh, and at the time it was like Davis Figueredo fighter of the year making history and this and that and then he fights to a draw and then Brand and he goes out there and gets tapped by Brand Moreno uh, in one of the worst weight cuts I have ever seen for a defending champion like he was crying after making weight because he didn't know if he was going to do it and yes I know him and his team are saying that he he had started a gym he had some stuff going on in brazil it was a bad weight cut and he got sick so he lost uh because of all of the outside noise affecting the fight and now he's corrected that by removing himself from that environment and going to train with fight ready with henry cejudo brand moreno's old teammate and sparring partner uh so yeah we're talking about the drama in the main event there's just as much drama between that those teams in the co-main event but uh, i picked brand moreno the second time with sean al shadi outside the gila river arena in glendale and i think i'm one of the few people in the media that day that picked brand moreno to win and i based it solely on a the weight cut and i thought dave's Figueroa was a dude that was just gonna melt fools at flyaway when he touched them and then after watching that first fight for 25 minutes inside the inside the apex brand moreno took a lot of dave's Figueroa's best strikes and then Brandon Moreno corrected those mistakes he made and then submitted David Figueroa so I'm still gonna I know you didn't ask for my pick but I'm gonna give it to you early I'm still sticking with Brandon Moreno every Mexican in the world is here in Anaheim apparently because everywhere you go you're seeing <laughs> El, El Trey fly and you're hearing Moreno chants you're hearing a lot of bad words in Spanish being yelled at press conferences which if you've never been to a Mexican soccer game you'd probably be like oh what are they saying and it's all bad it's all bad and I'm not going to say it because this this stream would get demonetized if I re-say if I say what they were saying so uh, I just think this fight again rules two best flyweights on planet earth i'm glad it's a trilogy fight uh i styles make fights and this is checks all the boxes for uh, as i've used i've said a million times high level martial arts competition i personally don't even care that there's a belt on the line i just want to see these guys fight a third time and uh it's weird if that the coming event is being slept on because it rules so much yeah, it's it, it's it's a really interesting matchup, Sean. Lots of good storylines here. Some cringy ones, but for the most part, if we're talking about the actual fight itself, we got Davis and Figueredo looking to get his first, looking to get a win over Brandon Moreno. Third time they fought, hasn't beaten him yet. Brandon Moreno, first title defense. He goes from the the hunter to the hunted, and it seems like he's handling. The, the being the champion in, in, in good stride. He said that was something that he was worried about. It was something that got into his mind right away, told his manager immediately, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to get it too big of a head. I don't want to take my foot off the gas. And just to have that wherewithal, I think is pretty impressive. And I think it's a pretty important thing heading into this fight. So your thoughts on the matchup, these guys running it back for a third straight time, Mr. Al Shadi. It was such a, interesting sight at the press conference yesterday the the contrast in styles between these two men just the personality wise you had brandon moreno up there who was enjoying himself so much you could just feel himself living in this moment thriving in it just having the best time ever and then on the other side you had divas and figueredo uh like on his phone half the time it seemed like just trying to like he was very angry. He was a very angry man, and Brandon Moreno seemed to revel in the fact that he was so mad. Uh, it, it's I just love the dynamic between these two guys, and, and like Jose said, the actual matchup itself is utterly sensational. I, I think the trilogy aspect of it is a little odd because obviously – if Davis and Figueredo comes out there and, and wins, like, what are we going to just do a fourth fight in a row? Like how, how at that point it's one, 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 like where do we go with this? Like, that's a really weird aspect of this to me, but uh, I do feel like he is being slept on a bit. And obviously he's the underdog coming into this, the fight team out there at fight ready. Jose can attest to this because we're both Arizona boys and that is an Arizona gym. 
they are a, they take a very scientific approach to a lot of stuff that they do just in terms of weight cutting body management uh training and a lot of things like that they have a very scientific team over there and and we saw it actually today at the weigh-ins deepest figueredo looked pretty pretty okay at the weigh-ins like he's never gonna look great at the weigh-ins but he looked pretty okay and much much better than he did in that second fight and i think you would be hard pressed to watch the weigh-ins of that second fight and say it didn't affect it in some capacity i mean he looked miserable when that fight was out here in arizona uh, uh, back in june so obviously i think we are going to get a better version of figueredo uh, uh, i like the team switch up in general we have seen it i mean people will will you know call them the kings of cringe and make fun of you know captain eric albaracine and all of them over there at fight ready but they are damn good at what they do man they really do improve fighters when they come out there and we've seen them work magic with a lot of different guys in this game and i think they could do the same with davidson figueredo and i think he will come in here with you know a few new aspects to his game maybe more patient um we saw him tell guillermo cruz our, our good friend on this website this week you know he's he came in here and really with a focus of just being more more of a professional fighter rather than a brawler, more of a patient man in the, in the octagon rather than just hurrying to get the finish. I think we will see, you know, that level of strategy play itself out. But I think this might just be one of those situations where Brandon Moreno has this guy's number, right? Like Brandon Moreno is tough as all nails and he is just so underrated in terms of technical ability and how he handles himself in that octagon. I cannot wait. I love the dynamic between these two guys and the matchup itself. You could run them out there 10 times. I'm going to watch all 10 times. I feel like any of those fights would be exciting. I feel like Eddie Cha is not getting enough credit either because people talk about Cejudo and Albarcine and how cringy they can be. And But at the same time, I will say this to, to, to play devil's advocate. Those two guys, Cejudo and Captain Eric, they care so much about their fighters. They, 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 they really do care. And I feel like Eddie Cha brings a certain level of level-headedness to that team that is just just flies under the radar what he's done with zombie and i just feel like he meshes in pretty well so casey you are getting ready for your own fight so i'm curious <laughs> to get your take on this because from a technical standpoint these guys are pretty evenly matched figgy has that power moreno has the wrestling advantage clearly we've seen it and throughout the exchanges in both of these fights figure takedown defense has not been great throughout his career but if you're going to improve any aspect of your wrestling Going to fight ready and working with Henry Cejudo and Captain Eric Albarracine, those are pretty damn good guys to work with. I believe Figgy started there like the fall, September-ish when this fight was put together. So it hasn't been too, too long. And the takedowns were clearly there in the second fight for Moreno, and they were pretty easy. Is four or five months enough time to close that gap, in your opinion? Because that was a very big gap in that second fight. It's not big enough to close that gap skill-wise, but I'm assuming this is a figgy had a, a really good weight cut. He looked great in the scale. Um, he didn't seem, I mean, he just didn't seem as sickly as he was in previous weigh-ins. So I think with the combination of those four to five months with the proper weight cut, I do think that really um, levels up Figueredo. Um if you would have told me like like three months ago, maybe I was like, oh, Marino's going to win this rematch easy. But man, the more I think about it, the more I forgot Eddie Cha. Eddie Cha's a terrific coach. Figueredo, his weight cut looks just, he looks great. And I think at like, at Figueredo at his like, kind of maximum potential, whatever weight it is, I do think he brings Marino. But it's, that, it's always that weight cut. It's maybe is Figgy just too big for flyweight? Maybe they figured it out. Maybe because remember Henry Sudo. Remember the idea of Henry Sudo fighting flyweight. We were like laughing at that forever. We he was like dismissed. He I think Henry Sudo almost missed weight at bantamweight. You know, but obviously, I think he's really learned a lot from that weight cut, and that weight cut is going to be the really the big difference maker. And um, oh, I just I I I think the, I think it's going to be more the weight cut that's going to that's going to really really even 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 the playing field for Figueredo tomorrow night so uh yeah and, and just being around Eddie Cha just remember also those those bad weight cuts he had to travel from Brazil that's a lot of time in a plane that's a lot of toxic was it was it Nick Diaz a toxic plane water toxic you know? water so, yeah toxic water so that means I know we kind of make fun of that but that's a serious thing and the fact that he's you know like this is this might be the best version of Figueredo we've ever seen and that's why this fight freaking rules this does yeah I 
I, I don't love the build with the, the Cejudo involvement. No, like, I'm, I'm glad he's part of the story. Yeah, I mean, he's been a great influence from a mentor perspective for a lot of his fighters. So I will give him credit for that. But engulfing him into the storyline, the, the whole traitor thing, not a giant fan of the whole thing, but I'm ready to see if the story will continue on into a fourth fight or if Moreno can just put the stamp on it and put this behind him for good. So Jose's going with Moreno. Sean and Stiller and new here. It's funny you say that, man, because it, it feels like there's so many parallels right now between this main event and co-main event where the yeah. fights themselves are just so utterly spectacular, right? Like they are everything you could possibly want as an MMA fan, but just the promotion and the storylines that have sort of swirled around it for both are just so strange and so non-fight related. And it's just like it doesn't have anything to do with what the actual, you know, what's actually going to play out on Saturday. Um, I've been back and forth on this one in terms of a pick for, for this whole lead up. I mean, this has been, again, I really do believe even those fight ready guys they they are brilliant brilliant minds over there with with what they do and again the scientific approach that they they take we saw it even with Li Zhang uh in her rematch getting Rose Zama she looked much improved in that fight and obviously didn't go her way but she looked quite quite good in that fight as well um Jose's picking Moreno. I'm going to pick Davis and Figueredo, man. I think this is, I'm up again. I'm up for chaos. I'm up for weirdness. And, and this series all of a sudden be one, one, one. And the idea of a fourth fight just seems very chaotic and weird and very MMA to me. Uh, but it, these guys are, are very evenly matched in my mind. If, if you get good weight cuts from both of them again, I feel like that weight cut played a huge part in that second yeah. fight. I'm not sleeping on Brandon Moreno. That dude is a monster. He is an absolute beast. Again, he is tough as all nails, but I feel like Figueredo's coming in this and he gets this one done. You know, it's funny. Casey. You, you, oh, you, you just oh. talked about, oh, uh, you know, were they going to run back a fourth time? But then you just, then you, then you also said, man, these guys can fight 10 times. I'm, I'm going to show up hey. front row every time. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, here yeah. for it. Yeah, so I love it too. <laughs> I, 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 under, I totally get what you mean. Um, I'm still going Moreno, and I'm, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be closer to the first fight, um, hopefully, just for a pure entertainment standpoint. But um, man, I just, this is one of those fights that they, they they fight twenty times. I think Moreno wins eleven times. That's what the, I mean. I just think they're that evenly matched. I think they're both just 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 exceptional fighters. And like I said, I'm assuming Figueredo looks is his weight cut is on point, and we're gonna see the best version of him. But it's freaking Brandon Moreno, and um, I think I, I I believe everything Brandon Moreno said after the first fight. You know, he was kind of not. Not only say scared, but he he respected uh, Figueroa's power too much. But now he, he fought 25 minutes with him, and in the second fight is like, I know what I'm getting. And you know, we saw what happened in the second fight. But I think both guys have learned a lot from the first two matches, and I think we're going to see a fight of the type fight of the year ca- candidate. But I do think Moreno will pull it out, and um, yeah, and the trilogy will end with Moreno being and still. This is such a good fight, I love uh, it. and I think there's some things. I was just, yeah, I, no, I, 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 what Sean said, yeah, I'm, that equal annoyance I had at the first fight is like, why can't we just talk about how freaking awesome this fight is? It's just two fighters at their prime, and it was the same thing at, at flyweight, and yet it's just drama. But I don't know. But is, what, is, what is, is the drama working? Is the drama working? Is it selling anything? Because I feel like it's... No. I mean, I don't. Think I know so. we, we we see that since we're we're like almost like too close to it, you know, like as a casual, is the, is the drama making people go, oh, I want to, I want to buy this. I don't know. My real question is, if it does go to a fourth fight, what are, what's that called? Is that like a quadrilogy? Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah, I'm going with that. I like. I'm, it. I don't. Quadrilogy. I can't. I have no actual idea. Throw it in Brazil. We gave Moreno like two hometown fights. Put it on this May card. See if they could turn around and we'll put it in Brazil. <laughs> I like – I'm taking uh, – Jose, credit, CC. CC, no doubt about it. My um, I think kind of like the main event, I think there's some things about the champion's game that aren't – that are understated. I think he, clearly, I mean, clearly he's got a wrestling advantage. And maybe the gap will be a little bit slimmer here. Fight ready, tremendous team, no doubt about it. Moreno's very good on his feet. His kickboxing is vastly underrated. And when he goes and lands that left kick to the body, that does not get talked about enough because that sets up the wrestling and the grappling. And that is such an undervalued weapon that he has. And the biggest thing, and I know both a lot of you, I think all three of you touched on this at some point. Moreno is probably the most durable guy in this division. You are going to have to hit him across the face with the Louisville slugger to get him out of there. And I don't even think that's going to be enough. And like I said, during the weigh-in show, 
I didn't like what I saw from Figueredo at the press conference. I didn't. I understand, again, this is part of the fight-ready strategy. Captain Eric's going to script out things to say. He's had the earpiece in, so he's probably telling him <laughs> what to say, too. I'm not a psychologist, but it appears that the focus has been more on trying to rattle Brandon Moreno than skill on skill. And that's kind of a problem for me. I got, I got to say, I, I will say this from a betting perspective. I love the odds on Figueredo. You're telling me I can get the scariest flyweight ever at plus 155 or plus 160. I'm starving. And that is a scrumptious line. And if I thought this is a 50, 50 fight, I might lean that way, but I don't think it's a 50, 50 fight. I think this fight's going to get extended I think it's going to go 25 minutes. And for a fight that goes 25 minutes, I love Moreno on that spot. When you're a guy like Figueredo and you're starching everybody clean and then you hit a guy with your best shot and it does nothing to him, that has to do something psychologically to you. And sometimes in the sport, there's one guy that just kind of gets the better of you. And I have these vibes here with Moreno after that second fight. I think it's much more competitive than the second fight. I think we're going to look back on this fight as more competitive than the scorecards actually read. But I think it's going to be a clear yet decisive win for Brandon Moreno, like a 49-46, but a, but a, but a, but a close 49-46. But if you throw money on Figgy Smalls, I don't blame you at all, especially at that price tag. But love the fight. Love both of these title fights. Very excited for it. I was also very excited for Ilya Taporia. And Charles Jordan, that fight is no longer happening. Uh, uh, yeah, that one's off. Uh, we, 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 Wellington Terman. Let me just say really quickly before we move on. You could get right now an underdog parlay. Francis Ngannou, Figgy Smalls, both at underdog odds. $10. Guess how much $10 on that will get you. Both those outcomes, very likely, or not likely, but very possible, yeah. right? It's 160 $10 on the combination of them will get you $45 yeah, right now. Plus oh, four fifty five for Francis and Figgy Smalls. That's crazy, man. That, can you imagine saying that last year? Just saying. Yeah, it's out that's there. wild. It's out there. I and if you wanted to take a shot at that, jump all over that. But that Figgy line is just crazy. If, if Figgy was the dog at like plus one ten, eh, that's about right. But one fifty five, good grief. Uh, I, I definitely don't have an issue with that. So yes, this this fight card not great. More of a boxing style looking card. Um, <laughs> Apparently, this is the time people want to come to my house and start ringing the damn doorbell. Why does this happen on every that There's important things going on right now, Mike. Get We're talking forward. UFC 270. Come on. Come on. Anyways. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Jose, let me, let me just go to, to the low-key banger. What's the under-the-radar fight fighter storyline you got? Like, I mute my mic and start yelling. Um, I mean, the answer obviously was Ilya Tapora, uh versus Charles Jordan. Charles Jordan has been like, all over like i've bumped in about 10 times in this hotel it just seemed very excited to just compete so feel bad for both men involved but without that just off the top of my head i mean the answer has to be stamen versus nurmagomedov Nurmag- nurmagomedov because they seem to be the only one that have like a bantamweight we've all said has been like one of the better divisions of the last like five years in all of mma not just the ufc so these two guys are supremely talented and i don't think their rankings or lack of rankings is reflected on their skill set i just think that's how good this division is and these seem to be the two guys that actually kind of have a plan of what they want to do after everyone else at media day was like oh we'll win and then see where we go from there and Said's like well i'm gonna win and then i'm gonna fight sean o'malley or cheeto vera uh, and then Cody Stan was like, well, I'm going to win and I'm going to just smush Sean O'Malley. And I was like, well, at least there's a talking point right there. Like both of these guys seem to be overlooking one another to fight Sean O'Malley or someone bigger. So I think that's the answer that everyone's going to pick uh, for like the lo- quote unquote low key banger. I mean, obviously, like there's fun fights and fun fighters like Trevor Giles on this card. Kay Hansen's on this card. Uh, there's a lot of fun fights like that, but a lot of. Uh, debutants on this car a lot of fighters making their UFC debut I think I read it's like one of the most ever and the other ones like I don't you can't even really count because it's like they take place in China yeah Yeah, they take it was like one of those like UFC China cards and then like the Mexico City card where they just filled it up with like tough Latin America fighters or Chinese fighters making their debut so for a pay-per-view in Southern California to have some of the with like the two massive fights at the top to have one of the most like the card with the most debutants on it is just baffling to me. So I would have to say the easy answer is Nurmagomedov versus Cody Stamen. 
That is a great fight. Uh, I spoke with Cody Stamen on We Got Next. That article's coming out tomorrow. Uh, I, I will disagree with the Stamen overlooking Nurmagomedov because uh, he has some comparisons, some metaphors, if you will, that uh, are kind of frightening to think about, but you could see that tomorrow. So, uh, Shaw, what's your under-the-radar fight? What's the one that's got you excited that's not getting enough love with all this drama going on? Yes, Cody Stamen, a big fan of testicular metaphors. Guy really went to the well <laughs> with that a couple of different times on your show, Mike. Um, first of all, I need to know who was at the door. Yeah, it's killing me. I think it's my kid. I think it's my kid's friend. Oh, who knocked man. for like fourteen yeah, minutes and then rang the doorbell. So. Yeah, it wasn't. Tell wasn't that kid anybody. to show some Tell that kid to show some damn respect. This is the most important preview show in the world going on right now. Uh, Unbelievable. I mean, the Cody Stamen one is definitely a good pick. I mean, we mentioned Jose mentioned sort of that that fun fact about all these debutants on this card. That's certainly what you want for the first fight card you put on after this big price hike, where now all of a sudden seventy five dollars for this pay per view. It's it's just great times over there. Uh, but Cody Stamen is certainly a good pick in this regard. I mean, he he told you very upfront, Mike. I mean, he he has a lot of self awareness. Uh, stemming from that interview, just the, the amount of pressure he's feeling coming into this fight. This is a guy who's been around this division, this bantamweight division, uh, for a long time, and he's fought a lot of the best guys. And he's coming off two straight losses, and he really does feel like this is do or die, now or never for him. Uh, but that being said, I can't believe we just had a whole conversation about under the radar fights or, or low key banger fights. It didn't even mention the fact that Michelle Pereira's on this card. Like I don't even <laughs> care who he's fighting. The fact that he's on this card at all, and this is a guy who could maybe do a backflip into like you know trying to get mount or however kind of insane craziness he's gonna throw out there like that's the pick anytime that guy's fighting he's the low-key banger so michelle Pereira, come on show the man some love yeah at first i thought ak was gonna be on and now it kind of feels like ak's on because he would have said <laughs> the exact same thing about uh michelle Pereira. what sticks out to you casey oh e- easy for me um barcelos versus victor henry um I think Barcelona. Your boy, your guy, yeah, my you boy, Victor Henry, man. You've been on the my, 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 my fellow, forever, my man. fellow catch wrestler, my fellow catch wrestler. Um, uh, well, first of all, Barcelos, I think he is without a doubt the most, the most underrated bantamweight um, in the UFC. Uh, bantam, yeah, bantamweight in the UFC. Uh, he is incredibly exciting. I just don't think uh, he just doesn't have that personality or look that you know it kind of bumps him up the cards. But he is, I think, he is incredibly talented, incredibly violent. Victor Henry. Uh, unfortunately, he fought in Japan a lot, and because of COVID, kind of just stalled his career. He was on his way to basically fighting for the uh, bantamweight, the Ryzen 135 championship, um, but COVID kind of screwed that up, so he's been kind of in limbo. But good for us. Now he's in the UFC. Now we get to see him much more often, uh, hopefully. And uh, he's he's just a very exciting fighter. He's he's he has been UFC caliber for years, and he gets to show up. Uh, he gets to fight. Finally, um, in the States and in front of a big audience um, tomorrow night, and I'm super excited. Uh, Josh, Josh Barnett, protege, um, just uh, a high level catch wrestler, just super exciting, funny dude, listens to good music. Um, he, has, he has a very, very <laughs> tough fight. Hey, that counts, man. He, he's got a good well, taste in music. That, that, that means I like something. Listening to, me. to good music and throwing it in as like part of his, like, that's like the early UFC yeah, yeah. when they would do like the fighter attributes <laughs> and it was like no known weaknesses. I just want to see a bullet point with listens to good music. <laughs> Great taste in music. I love it, man. Like, I'm tired of all these guys walking out of their crap jams, man. He's he's going he's going to come out with some good stuff. So it, that means something. Man, if, I mean, we've been talking drama and just things that don't matter. So we might as well throw in. Like, sorry, might as well throw in. He has good taste good taste in music. Hey, there were multiple NFT questions at that press <laughs> yeah. conference. If you want to talk about music? We can talk about music. It's just fair game. It's anything. One hundred percent. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, you all pick good ones. Uh, I like the Michael Morales, Trevin Giles fight. I like the guy with un, with with great potential taking on the grizzled vet. It's a great test. Oh, oh yeah, I, uh, I'm interesting. Giles and Giles at one seventy too. Yeah, he looked he looked really good. He looked he looked like he should always been at one seventy. Did he? Do you know the backstory? Did he did he take some time off of being a police officer? Do you know, or did he just just do it? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I forgot he was going it. to 170 until like two days ago when yeah. I saw it was a welterweight fight. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah. I, I actually don't even know really the whole story behind it. Um, Simon Oliveira, Tony Gravel is just got to be fun. Just trust me on that. I'm not going to get into it so we can go to the peeps. But uh, also Kay Hansen just coming back after yeah. everything she's gone through. Uh, and she's got a really good test. Jasmine Jazdavizius is uh, is 
his game and she's like a natural in the sport and she found it kind of late in her life but someone that if she found mma at like 20 21 years old would be really interesting to see what her career would look like so she finally makes her ufc debut that should be a lot of fun so let's go to the peeps let's try to get a few let's get a few questions yeah. in because uh those two title fights rule and we gave them the time they deserved i think and we did it i gotta right. go get ready for ceremonial lands too oh yeah so, oh, okay, so let's do this really quick uh all right real quick real quick Ooh, that's too small do, 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 do. how ins uh joseph boza how insane is that the only ranked fighters fighting tomorrow are competing for belts is that true i mean the it, mma fighting rankings perhaps it, is stamen ranked Stamen's in the UFC ranking? Right? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's coming off a loss, right? Yeah. Coming off two losses. Two losses, But to yeah. Rivera and One of them Marab. was featherweight, though. But to another uh, bantamweight, right? Yeah, that was nope, back when featherweights were fighting up. Yeah. Um, nope, he's not ranked. Yeah. Yep. I, can't, yeah. I can't do you this. Know, other, again, it, it, this kind of goes again, back to the, the quality of the card. It's also really what you want when of, you're debuting this $75 price tag. It's all I'm yeah. Saying. Also, a lot of fights have like fallen out of this card, so sure. this isn't even the original plan. <laughs> like, let's not forget we had like Alexi Olenek, Greg Hardy, Sergey Spivak. Like those all those fights Can, all fell. Cannonier so. Brunson. Cannonier Brunson got yep. moved. So yeah. Alexa Grasso, Araujo was supposed Arujo, to be on this yeah. card. This was it's just bad. T- it's bad luck. Like it's not what you want for the $75, but I know a lot of people like to. Uh, throw mud at the UFC, but sometimes it's just not their fault that things fall apart. Like COVID happens too. All right. Yep. Um, well, this one's yep. for Mike. I know. The, I don't know the answer to this. <laughs> Best contender series fighter. Um, boy, this is a good question. There's a lot of contender series got con- contender series debuts. Right? I mean, it's 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 half the freaking card. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michael Morales is 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 pretty solid. This guy's real good. Uh, very high ceiling is a savage. I mean, Simon Oliveira is good. Is, is very, I mean, there's, there, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. Jazz Viz is good. Um, yeah, but so, so some of the Mexican fighters on this card, obviously they're, they're, they're building up that market as they should on this card. And, and obviously, uh, Della Madalena is super solid too. Um, so there's some good ones. I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of the contender series fighters, but I think Della Madalena will probably have the showcase performance because Pete Rodriguez is, just a killer be killed kind of guy. He's only fought for like four minutes, his entire pro career. And Madalena is a very technical striker, a guy that lost his first two fights and then has gone on to one win 10 in a row after fixing some of the issues that he had. So yeah, I, I'd say Madalena is probably the most talented contender series fighter competing on this card, but Michael Morales is very good, very high ceiling. All right. <laughs> Figgy's personalized personalized walkout music. Jose, who did I know he's trying to like do something with his phone and maybe try to play. Could you hear the personalized walkout nope. music at all? I couldn't hear them talking in general. It was so loud in that venue. <laughs> so he could have been saying he could have been quoting Shakespeare. He could have been reciting Hamlet in Portuguese. I would have been like, Yeah, I can't hear what you're saying, but you sound excited. Probably would have been we'll better see. if he was quoting Shakespeare because some of that would be pretty <laughs> rough. The, the, the long, like, 30-second pause as he's waiting for the Wi-Fi to load and he's trying it, to pull up this song was painful, man. It was, that <laughs> crowd, that crowd reminded me of UFC 202 Fight Week when they did the Michael Bisming dan Henderson press conference before the ceremonials, and no one no cared way. about that, and yeah. they were just chanting Conor McGregor, like, during while Michael Bisming was talking. <laughs> Like Francis was talking, and you have every Mexican ever chanting for Brandon Moreno, and even Brandon Moreno, like I'm sure they didn't show, but he was like, "Shh, stop it! Like stop it!" To like the crowd, and they did not; they were not listening. What a guy! What a nice guy! What a you great know, guy. I'm, I'm, Brandon Moreno has to win tomorrow night because when Figgy was doing that, Brandon Moreno was telling Dana, "Get him the Wi-Fi code." <laughs> he was like, "He needs the Wi-Fi password." <laughs> The, uh, again, the, the interactions <laughs> between these two is like low key, kind of like hilarious it was, to me. It's not here for it. No, sorry, they, just, they don't even hate each other. Like Davidson nah, just, and Brandon Moreno, they respect Brandon each other. Just no. like I, pointing out the absurdity of all of this constantly. Yeah. I'm just like, dude, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, <this isn't laughs> working. Like, Why around, are you trying so fun? hard? Yeah, we're trying so hard. Uh, let me see. <laughs> all right. And then, and then when Ngannou and Gan would would have conversations, it was like. 
they were having tea at the at, at the local coffee house where they're just sitting there. I just wish they had having just argued in specific French. conversations about things. I wish they would have argued with each other in French because Cyril, obviously, it's not his first language, and Francis knows a lot more English than Cyril, and they're like arguing in the language that neither of them is their first language. This is true. They yeah. should have that just started arguing though. in French. It would have been way more heated. Yeah, actually, yeah, everyone on stage is, argu- is arguing in their second language or third language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. You did up, almost bro. like feel bad for Cyril Gaon at certain points in that because it almost seemed like he was like genuinely hurt by the idea that like yeah. dude like you don't even consider us teammates like Wait, <laughs> yeah, he seems so innocent like come on man like <laughs> it's very like, again I mean, very we, interesting we, we trained together we weren't part of a team it's like but that's teammates it's like well we, 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 it was like I mean, technically but not it was just so, oh, okay I guess we'll have to disagree but it was it was cute like does yeah, anyone believe that guy a hug You're like yeah yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, you know Take what? I think. More. Are we good? Uh, I got honestly, a, honestly, honestly we're kind of good. We're kind of good. All right. We're good. Okay. Thank you, Title Fights, for giving us so much to talk about. Thank you very much uh, for all of you listening or watching right now. If you're listening after the fact, thank you very much on the podcast network. Jose, tremendous work. Enjoy the ceremonial weigh ins. We'll be watching on mafighting.com, of course. Casey, thank you for your help on the ones and twos. Sean, good talking to you again. It's, I feel like it's been a minute since we've done this on a preview show setting. So tomorrow, people's pre-fight show. I think we're going 45 minutes before the main card starts, which I don't even know if we know what time that is yet, but we will let you know. And uh, There's get ready still for time for more cancellations, guys. Don't forget. That's the attitude. I like it. You can't be disappointed if you expect the worst. So for Sean, Casey, (laughs) Jose, Debbie Downer-Youngs, I am Mike Heck. See you tomorrow, everybody. Just leave the top two fights intact. Rest in peace. Happy birthday, AK. (laughs) It's not my birthday. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.